Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, how was your weekend? How about that weather, huh? got snow. We got snowed on. It got cold. When the temperatures drop into the 50s, it feels really cold. And I guess they only need a couple weeks to really acclimate, or a month or whatever. Because when the temperatures rise up into the 50s, you know, after a winter down in the 30s or whatever, it feels great. 55 feels great. Sunday, I stepped outside. Yikes. What happened? That was brutal. <clears throat> of course, I wouldn't notice if I was home watching sports, but this is the last big weekend without much sports. We had a NASCAR race, and I know they had the motocross race up at Rice Stadium, but the PGA Tour returns on Thursday with the Colonial. And then the countdown's on. I guess what, we're like seven weeks out from the start of the NBA. So sports will be back soon. Uh, <clears throat> without the games, well, even if there had been games, this would have been a huge story this weekend. So before, uh, <clears throat> well, after we left the air on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, which in the media's nose is the news dump. If you have bad news, put it out on Friday afternoon. It'll make less of a splash that way. But there's really no way this can make less of a splash. Uh, Morgan Scally suspended. Well, they conduct an investigation into uh, his use of racial slurs, and he admitted the use of a racial slur in a text, meant it for a coach, sent it to a player, apologized to the player. Um, it happened back in 2013. And now we're seeing a lot of players come out on social media, and they are not on the same page. Uh, I've seen some. I've been told of others. I haven't seen them all. Um, and I guess there have also been some phone calls that we aren't privy to. Uh, I guess as you would expect, right? People have relationships. They got, they got people on the phone, so guys getting backed up. Um, and the reaction split. There are people um, who played for the Utes, African-American players, uh, one current player, Nick Ford, uh, but several past players who are rallying to Morgan Scally's defense. Uh, Julian Blackman is one of them. I've seen I've seen stuff from him on Twitter, and there are others. Uh, Raylon Singleton, <laughs> um, but there are also uh, a handful of players, four, five, six. It seems I I hesitate to say that number could be changing by the hour. I don't know what I didn't see last night, or you know. Uh, and these players uh, think that it was part of a pattern. Uh, they're down on Morgan. Now, the investigation has been outsourced, and it has to be. If it's done inside the university, um, you know, Morgan's liked. He's popular. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, Kyle likes him. He wouldn't be defensive coordinator. So you, you got to go outside. And I think this has to be really thorough. I think that there are clearly uh, people who want to keep Morgan on the job. I think if it were unanimous up and down the food chain, certainly the football coach, the AD, the school president, just for three. Um, maybe key boosters, and you might wish the key boosters weren't involved in this, and maybe they shouldn't be, and maybe they aren't here. I don't have any information. Um, but across college football, in some places they would be. Maybe in many or all, I don't know. Um, but whoever the other key players are, it's certainly the coach, the AD, and the president. How much say anybody else has, you know, influential media, influential alumni, influential boosters. You know, it's hard to say, and that would vary uh, school to school. But I think it's critical in this case, and I also think it's likely in this case, that 
they got to do a thorough investigation and that I think what is likely is that this is going to take a while. I, I, I'll be surprised if there's quick resolution. And if there is, that probably means Morgan is gone. I think it will take longer to make sure that they are going to keep him um, than to let him go. But I, I suspect this is going to go a while. I don't know that. I haven't been told that. But if they wanted to let him go and it were unanimous, I think he'd already be gone. Now, if there's some doubt, uh, some desire to keep him, man, they got to be careful. There's no more surprises. <laughs> there, there can't be any more surprises. So that requires a long, thorough investigation. And if it were me running it, which clearly isn't, um, but if it were me, they've got to talk to everybody. And when I say everybody, everybody. There can't be any surprises if they're going to keep him. And I don't know that they are. I... I just think there's a chance or he'd already be gone. So I think that means you got to talk to all the players who um, he's coached. And I think you got to talk to the players he played with. Because if you decide to keep them and then somebody he's played with says, hey, this, this, and this happened, you know, there's a different standard for players than coaches. Uh, you know, as a coach, as an employee, I mean, there's a standard for everybody. Don't kid yourself. But I think as you become an employee, the bar, the bar set even higher. Um, but at this point, it doesn't matter. There can't be any surprises. They need his phone. They need his emails. Can't be any surprises there. Got to talk to everybody. When I say everybody, I don't just mean players, although I do mean all the players. And it doesn't just mean scholarship players. You interact with walk-ons. They got to track people down. And, you know, the I think two things will help moving this along. One, most schools keep track of their alumni, so they're going to have a lot of information on a lot of guys. And now we're also connected that once you have one guy, you know, can you get access? Can you let him know, hey, can you get a hold of so-and-so? We need to talk to them, right? And you just need a list of the roster for every year. But but I think you also have to talk to staffers, especially now these defensive coordinator, but even as a position coach, you know, and it's not just the other assistants who obviously have scattered, right? There's a there's former Utes, multiple former Utes, as PK said on TV last night at uh, BYU. Uh, there's a former Utah assistant at uh, Arizona State. Uh, there's a former Utah assistant at uh you, at Utah State, um, I don't know. I, I can't even remember all the people who've come and gone. College staffs changed all that. They are retired from, right? Norm Chow, that one just came to me. I almost forgot Norm. He comes on our show. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of people to talk to. And it's not just the players and the assistant coaches. I also got to talk to the other staffers. Um, because the kind of racial slur that he says he used and he's apologized for, you just can't use that. And you can't use it with anybody. Not You know, you just can't. So there's a lot of staffers to track down. So th- this could take a while. There's a lot of people to talk to. Now, if you get a lot of negative responses right away, maybe you don't have to talk to everybody and he's gone. That would be the one way maybe it would accelerate. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, man. The, the U, when we left the show on Friday, looked like they were in a really good place. Uh, and USC was accelerating the recruiting, so they didn't look like they were in a great place. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tweeted a lot less sports in the last week. It just with everything else going on in the country between uh, uh, all the protests and uh, the coronavirus, which I guess, you know, the numbers were up over the weekend, although much better on Sunday, but, you know, climbing on uh, Friday and Saturday locally. Um, you know, the, the Pac-12 Twitter handle, uh, you know, tweeting out lists and stats doesn't seem very important right now. 
but one thing I did see on Sunday was this list of, you know, the best players returning the league, and Oregon's got like half of them. So I want to tell you the Utes were in a great place because Oregon's in a great place. And USC, after a couple of years of going sideways and or backwards and Utah winning the division, you know, SC might be poised to rebound here big time. But I really think once you get beyond those two schools, you know, maybe Washington with a new coach will, will have a breakout year. Maybe Stanford will bounce back. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk for the Utes. But if you were going, uh, you know, which programs in this league have momentum? Which programs in this league are in a good place? You would get to the Utes pretty quickly. Uh, but this is huge. You know, I, I talked to a former Ute yesterday, talked about the impact this is going to have on recruiting no matter what the investigation turns up. You know, he was just talking about, uh, you know, the negative recruiting, the perception of Utah that is always out there. And now, coaches are going to have to negative recruits. Listen, I don't want to talk bad, but I, I care about you. The best situation, you need to gather all the information. Do a Google search. Find it for yourself. You know, don't, don't take my word for it. I, I coach for the opposition. That's pretty low-end negative recruiting. <laughs> when you hear some of the crazy stories that are out there, that's really not much. But that could be devastating. You know, and a kid has a tough decision to make, and there's two or three schools, and they really like him. That's the kind of thing that can move you to third in line. So, it looked pretty good on Friday, and hey, there's, you know, you can bounce back. And uh, they've got a good staff, and they've accomplished some good things there, but it's a blow, you know. It doesn't mean that uh, all is lost and everything's going south, but uh, it's a blow. There's no way around it. You know, they've, they've always really preached family there. We've heard that the roster is one-third white, one-third black, one-third poly, and that it's a family. You know, uh, you, we don't become you, you become us. And, and those are the things we've heard Kyle say. And we've heard them repeated by other people, coaches and players, you know. And this really strikes against that. And so I don't envy the situation they're in. It's going to be intriguing to see how this plays out. And Morgan's got a lot of friends in the community, and a lot of people know him. Obviously, he played at Highland, he played at the U. So we'll see how this goes. We'll keep you updated. We've got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some basketball. David Locke on restarting the NBA season. Now that we got some details on that at the end of last week, David Locke next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's time to welcome in David Locke, brought to you by the... Murdoch Chevrolet and Murdoch Hyundai, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. Murdoch Chevy and Murdoch Hyundai. David Locke, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. NBA basketball is back. You know that. Do you know anything else? Any of the uh, bosses let you know how this is all going to progress, proceed? Any details you can fill in? Well, I think we have, like, when training camp's opening and all those kind of things. Do, we, do you guys have that? Is that, like, is that... Um... Yeah, I think that's kind of public knowledge so um i don't think i have anything more that's public knowledge if that's what you're asking i don't think i have anything really special for you today but you know i think players are i think players have started coming back i've noticed that a few more guys are in town than um used to be um so i think we'll see over the next 25 days um 
you know, them all coming in at different rates, right? So I think there's something about overseas coming into town and then into the town of the team you're playing and then training camp opens in 25 days and about a week worth of work before they go to Orlando, then 21 day or 20 some odd days in Orlando, 24, I think it is when the season starts. We'll see, see how it plays out. Should be, should be interesting. Um, you know, I think we're in an age we've got to try to figure out what you can, uh, you know, we'll find out what works and what doesn't. I'm excited. How about you? Yeah, I really am. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it's a different, um, it's a different thing than we've ever expected, but everything's different. So let's let's see what happens, and it will just be nice to I think get into a regular flow and and have games, and and we're gonna have a lot of games, right? So they're trying. I think they said that you're playing eight games, you're likely playing one back to back, and otherwise you're playing every other day. So um, I think they're trying to get those eight games done in 15 days, is what I heard. Um, so you know we'll have good good, and there's no bad teams there. So you, you've got five or six games a day. Probably, I would guess, on two courts and maybe three. Um, and so there's just going to be a lot to choose from. And it, there's going to be a lot of viewing to be done. It's going to be fun. So what is going to be the uh, weirdest, most – I mean, we all know this is not normal because of the calendar. But what is going to impact competition the most that is going to be really unusual, abnormal, different? So I would say early, I think, well, overall, I just think no one, unless you're around these guys all the time, the, the pattern of their patterns, and they all have patterns to every day. Um, I think that's probably, from a mental health standpoint, what's been most difficult for these guys on this break. And I think that they'll probably, when you start doing our Zoom interviews and all that with them, I think that's what we'll start hearing from them is, you know, they're very regimented and they have various systems on how they do everything. And that's not that hasn't been normal to them. This won't be normal either. Um, you know, I don't know how they're doing shoot arounds. I don't know if there's any restrictions how they're doing social distancing. I, I don't know a lot of those things, but it won't be normal. Um, so I think the the players that are able to adapt to that um, are going to be the ones that have success. And I think we'll see some players strangely slump, and it will just be the player who can't find the rhythm to get himself comfortable. A little bit, I mean, it even goes back to like Mike Conley talking about how he had always had a 45-minute drive to the arena and listened to the same playlist every day for a home game for whatever, 11, 12, 13 years, and then all of a sudden he lived six minutes from the arena and barely got through a song. And how it just kind of he, he that was a huge adjustment to him early in the year because he just by the time he got to the arena he wasn't at the same place he used to be and those kind of patterns are none of those are going to be similar so I think that's going to be what's most interesting to watch how these guys deal with that. How about the television? Is it going to be like a summer league, or are we going to have the locals? I don't, I'm not necessarily concerned. I know you are obviously, but as far as being there, but I'm talking about what stations are going to be broadcast on. I don't have any official word on any of this, so I probably shouldn't comment. Um, you know, there's, the hell? Um, I mean, I'm going to guess that even with national media, there's going to be, you know, some media that's embedded in the campus the whole time. Um, I've got to assume that there's going to be some media that comes in and out. Um, but I don't know how they do that. I would assume those people's access is vastly restricted. Um, and then from a broadcast standpoint, I, I, you know, I, I don't know the answer. Um, you know, the way they do the Olympics, 
is that there's two feeds out of every game. There's the NBC feed that we all we all get, the U.S. feed, and then and they even do this out of the All Star game and the NBA Finals. And then there's another feed. It's called the international feed. Uh, our award winning um, Emmy award winning producer and director Travis Henderson is obvious often the director or producer of this for the NBA. And the international feed goes out, and then every nation in across the world, when you hear you know late David Stern and Adam Silver talk about the game was broadcast to sixty five countries, well, how is that done? It's one feed that comes out, and then each international each country has their own announcers and puts their own graphics appropriate to their language on top of that broadcast. So I would suspect that something of that could be done. Um, and that way you don't have as many people there. But you also could have people that are just embedded the whole time. So if you're going to have that kind of media. So I think it's it's some, somewhere in there, and I don't, I don't know exactly. I assume there have got to be some broadcasts because we've read so much about them hitting the number 70 for the regional sports networks so they get the full payday from those regional sports networks. So I assume that ESPN and TNT aren't taking all 88 of these games. I also assume that they have to be taking a big chunk of them because I've read that these 88 games are worth $300 million. Yeah, Woj said several hundred million dollars on SCP show, so I haven't seen anything that said 300, but he said several, so that makes... Um, I don't know if that's somebody just taking that next number. Um, yes. Um, or I think we could actually have, um, I, I, again, I don't know, um, but I, I could, I actually would guess that the local viewers experience is going to be the exact same as normal. I don't think this is going to impact the fans at all. I think they'll have a TV broadcast. They'll have a radio broadcast. Um, they might note some differences in those broadcasts, um, depending on what we're doing. I may really try to find something creative to do and do things really differently and see what works and what doesn't, kind of on the theme of every conversation I've had with you guys, that we have to find a new normal. Um, and to do things the old way is, is I think, wrong and archaic at this point. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but I, I think from a fan standpoint, it will be the exact same experience that they've always had. They'll watch on the same channel. They'll watch it with Craig Bolajak. They'll watch it, um, and they'll you know they'll they'll hear me and Ron and um, and so I think that I don't think there'll be any change in their experience. My, so what I'm kind of saying is I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN and TNT had non-exclusive and the local broadcast. You're, you're killing two birds with one stone that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's essentially what I was asking. I'm actually looking forward to that. If you're going to do stuff, you're one of the more creative people I know, so I'd be intrigued on that and see how that plays out and have some fun with it and see if you come up with some ideas and go from there. I'm wondering as we can... you going to join me for the third quarter of the broadcast on Zoom? Uh, see, that's something you do right off the top of your head, man. I, or maybe you've already thought of that. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I mean, obviously okay. you, you've got a million ideas in your head, and you... you I think your brain rests maybe 20 minutes a night. That's including sleep uh, from Try. experiences. <laughs> Not very good at it. <laughs> no, I'm trying meditation and yoga. It's been helpful. I've had more time to do it. Try it. <laughs> good, because <laughs> I know it's uh, always on the go there and rattling around. I'm wondering how all this stuff, you know, we have a, We'll see how it goes. We have an idea or a blueprint as far as what's going to happen in July and August and all that stuff in September, or August and September, I should say. Uh, how do you think this is going to affect 
all the stuff that goes on in the off season and then getting ready for the following season? So I actually think our draft stuff will be more prepared with less data. So in other words, there's less games played. Um, with our players, but I'm not sure that really, I mean, like none of the primary, I actually don't know that's true. Actually, none of the primary guys were going to play in the tournament. So we didn't really lose anything there. Um, and I, from what I hear, there have been zoom calls and, you know, meetings been taking place with players this whole time. I mean, there's no reason not to. And, and I think there's something interesting to that, right? I think you can learn in this unique world, you, I think you learn a little bit of like which player does a Zoom conference and stays connected. Which one do you notice is checking his phone the whole time and can't pay attention to you even just in a Zoom call? Which one shows up and is, you know, you can decide whether you, what you think of this. It depends on your point of view. Which one shows up like with a button-down shirt and a tie on as though it's a job interview? Which one shows up and just is t- in a T-shirt and shorts? Um, you know, which one's talking to family members the whole time it's going on and not paying attention to you? Which one is like in a closed room and engaged understanding the importance? I think you can actually learn a tremendous amount about in on the interview setting and maybe more so in a Zoom call than you do um, in the old meeting in Chicago at a combine. Um, and then I think there's, a, there's obviously been more time than ever to watch film and video of players. And I do think that if players and agents are comfortable putting players on planes that you're going to have be able to work players out. I, I, I Maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but I'm just, again, I haven't talked to you, I'm just deducing that if we're doing player workouts in the facility right now and we've figured out a protocol to do it and we're not having a problem with it, then can you bring players in? Now, the only pro, the only snafu there is if you bring, I, I would assume you start to limit how many players you can bring in. You bring in a hundred players, you've brought in a hundred players. And I don't think you're going to do the, you know, the three on three workouts or the, that you used to have. Um, maybe when I mean, we're playing games. So maybe we're going to do that. I don't know. Um, and if there's restrictions in one city versus another, then that's a competitive imbalance and you have to avoid that. So there's a bunch of pieces there, but I suspect actually between now and the draft players will come into town to work out. Um, Maybe not as publicly as in the past, but I, I would suspect. So uh, I think the draft will be fine. Free agency looks like it's going to be truncated, but it's going to be a boring free agency. I don't – I'm not really buying December 1st, by the way. Um, I think December 1st was a, is a movable number. Um, and as, I, uh, as I've said the whole time, I suspect it to be December 18th, which is the, the week before Christmas. You buy that in the long run, though, they're not going to want August for the finals, that they're going to want August for the draft and free agency, that that's where it's really going to settle? I read a couple things about that, and this is a couple people writing stuff, so it's not like it's set in stone by any means, but I, I did see a certain logic to it. Give me, uh, give me more. I did not see this. Who, who so the, this would basically tell be... Tell me who wrote it so I can go read it. Uh, I think it was ESPN.com. It might have been in Ramona's... Shelburne's article, but I don't know. I read a lot of them really fast, but I I think it was ESPN.com. So basically the theory, and this is me expanding on a little bit, would be playoffs in June and July and free agency and the draft in August so they don't get lost in the NFL. That they get a lot of mileage out of that. But that means starting the season December 1 after the big Thanksgiving weekend full of football. You know, steer clear of that because that's a ton of competition. But then pretty quickly, December 1st, you can get it going. And it, it kind of feeds off your point that, yes, Christmas is a big deal, but you don't want to kick off there because op- the opening's a big deal and Christmas is a big deal. Why combine the two? Make them two separate things. So let me just say this. I think there's a value to moving away from the NFL. 
But I feel like the media has taken that two steps too far in all of their analysis and have proven to be wrong a lot. Remember, there used to be the story that we couldn't play past Labor Day because of the NFL. Well, we're now playing until October 17th, right? Like, I think there is an ideal that you can avoid that the less competition you have with the NFL is good, but I don't think it's just, like, avoidance. I mean, frankly, if we ran NBA free agency Monday through, like, uh, opened it up on a Tuesday, so the news started breaking on Monday or on a Wednesday, and it was midweek during an NFL week, I still think it would dominate the news. You might lose Saturday and Sunday, you might lose Saturday and Sunday, but I feel like it would dominate the news. So, I mean, sure, I guess you could just try to bend your entire schedule so that you get a week of free agency in, in August um, and not have to pre-Labor Day. Sure. Um, but I do feel like some of this talk of being so fearful of the NFL, legitimately, I mean, it's huge, um, is overblown. When on, And it has proven to be overblown in how people have reacted to it so far. I would agree with that. I've been saying there's plenty of room at the table for all this stuff in the NFL. Uh, if you're going to have stuff has its segments, and so you know what's going on, and there's potentially big news in a, in a given week in the NFL early in a week, uh, you know, as you say, with that Tuesday. But if the NBA uh, is doing stuff that's going to be big, people are going to be paying attention. I, I don't really see that as a big issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you want to have, like, you don't want to have your ABC Saturday, Saturday night game going up against college football. And you don't want to have your, you know, your Sunday NBC or, you know, midday day of the week game going up against the NFL. Okay, that's legit. Like, that's completely legit. Let, let, let's avoid those two scenarios. Um, and, you know, it won't be great to have, I would guess that they're going to, the NBA final schedule might avoid Saturday and Sundays a little bit. Um, when they're going up against college or depending on what happens with college. So I think that, I think you have to be a little, um, you know, you have to be smart, but I don't think it has to be the overriding policy. But we'll see. I mean, I mean, Ramona, I also would tell you, I mean, Ramona's really good, so I'm not trying to criticize Ramona, but I also like Woj is really good, and Woj is the one who came out with the Labor Day stuff that was totally inaccurate. What? <laughs> happens. <laughs> You report that much stuff, it happens. And you know what? At some point in time, for somebody, here's the other one I think that's important. Like, when those reporters are talking to people, Ramona talked to three people, maybe two of those three, that NFL thing is really important to them. Now, by the time they get in the room of 30, it's they get voted, they yeah. get outvoted, or the world changes, and it becomes less important. Because there's three other things that are more important. And so I think that's the... Um, um, uh, you know, I think that's um, I think that's worth remembering when you read some of these stories. I think that's a little bit what happened with the date too. You know, if they had gone with sixteen instead of twenty-two teams, and if they hadn't done those regular season games, then they wouldn't be going until October twelfth. You know, that would short it up, and they'd be wrapping up in September. And there's a two-week delay here because apparently there's a bunch of foreign players who left and went back home, not knowing how long this was going to go. And so they got to be quarantined for 14 days. So even though they're ready to go, they're waiting for a lot of key players for a 14-day quarantine. So the NBA may have had its hand forced a little bit on going into October. Better to go into October than not do this, but ideally they probably would have rather had it done a little earlier. Right, right. 
All right, David, we appreciate a few minutes. The NBA is on the road back officially, and we will talk to you again next week. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks. guys. There's David Locke. When we come back, football and, of course, the news of the last, what, week or so, 10 days, uh, with Riley Jensen. Next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen scheduled to join us here momentarily, our college football insider. And PK, we were just talking about the quarterback battle at uh, BYU. And I talked to uh, Ron McBride about Utah. And before I even asked about the quarterbacks, he goes, I think they're going to be okay at quarterback, but your guess is as good as mine as to who it's going to be. That seems like a real wide-open, legit contest and who knows but you're going to be have to be good to win it yeah uh, that's another position there that you want to have some strength obviously you want to have as much strength as you possibly can uh, i'm not sure about rising i mean the other one the other kid uh, bentley's got more of a track record obviously uh, that, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the job but rising has a lot of high school credentials and all but he hadn't played in two years and we've seen a number of kids who have all the high school credentials you could possibly want. Doesn't mean that they're good at the college level. So it remains to be seen. Now, very intriguing to see how that is going to be. And plus, they didn't have the spring ball. And so that sucks for him. Or them, I should say, that they didn't get an opportunity to uh, show their stuff a little bit. All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in Riley Jensen, our college football insider on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's up, you sorry dude? <laughs> uh, we've, been, we've been talking a little uh, quarterbacks here, uh, knowing you are coming on. And I'm curious, before we get to any of the schools and their, their issues um, and what they've got to sort out here, as a guy who puts on summer camp, you're probably a little biased. But I am curious when you look back at your career, you know, there's whether it's the pros with their mini camps, the colleges with the spring football, and then their, you know, individual quote unquote voluntary workouts and all that. How much do guys really improve in that time? And how much of that is you got time, so you got to do something? So you do it, but it's not where the real improvement happens. Well, I think it, I think it depends. I think it depends on the on the athlete. To be honest with you, I think I think you get something out of every workout that you do. But I think you have to be a little bit. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. Like there has to be something that you're trying to work on. There has to be some. It can't just be like show up to Mountain West Elite and just have them put me through a bunch of drills. But if you're going through a bunch of drills, but you've been, really been working on what we call transference or like keeping the upper half of your body closed while the bottom half opens and you're really working on that and, and trying to get better than you do. But I think, I think for me, the interesting part about 
the COVID-19 and not having access to weight rooms or maybe not having access to as many opportunities to work out is, is, is the guy that was willing to go and just keep physically in shape and mentally in shape. Because I, I think that's been the hardest thing for anybody. I mean, people who are working in the corporate world, athletes that I'm working with, is just keeping that routine or some semblance of a routine so that your mindset and your mentality is in the right place. And I, I think that older players, you're going to see a lot of the, the older players on teams are going to be the ones that, that were able to keep themselves physically fit and keep their mind right and that sort of stuff. Because I think that's hard as a freshman. I think that's hard as a, as a younger player in college football to keep your mind right. So these, these guys that are a little bit more veteran and understand what it takes to play college football, they're going to be the ones that put the work in. And I think they're going to be more prepared to play. So the world we're living in today, it's a lot of upheaval, obviously, and you've been dealing in the sports psychology aspect of it, and you went and you got all your certifications and everything that you need, and you're, you're employed professionally at, at that. Have you been dealing with any athletes as far as any of this? You've already mentioned the, the COVID-19, but also this, this social unrest that we have. Well, the, the, the social unrest is just kind of starting to reveal itself. There's been both people in the corporate world and athletes that I've talked to just in the last week about it. Um, it's, it's, we, are, we are living in some interesting times. We are living in a high anxiety situation. And we're living in a situation where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of um, expectations that have kind of been um, changed. And so... Working with those people has been really, really interesting. And I, one of, one of the things that's been really interesting to me is just with the COVID-19, I put together this mindset leadership conference and speaking to some of my African-American friends who are now coaches, it's been interesting as we talk to each other, how much, how much we learned in the locker room, how much we learned on how to get along with each other and understand that, that we we're all the same, right? And and there's there's one in particular interview with um, Coach Ricky Brumfield from the University of Virginia who played with me in college. And this is before George Floyd, right? And before some of this, this social unrest really started kind of um, uh, revealing itself again. I wouldn't say that it's that it's that it's all brand new. And we just talked about how he was from New Orleans and I was from Salt Lake, and how we really learned to appreciate each other because a lot of the, a lot of the things we wanted were exactly the same and how we wished that a lot of people were able to have the same sort of experiences that we had and that we were able to grow and progress with each other. And so that's, that's where it's interesting right now is it feels so divided. And I, and I really do wish I could go back with a lot of people or, if there's one wish that I could give a lot of people is to go into a locker room and yeah, there's fights and yeah, there's, there's all kinds of different personalities and races and cultures and all kinds of stuff. But man, we seem to be able to figure it out in that little microcosm of a locker room. And I think it, I think it's kind of encouraging to me. I think we can figure this out, but gosh, it's still, it's still, there's still a lot of anxiety out there. And I think there's a lot of people that are worried about some different things. 
I've wondered, uh, listening to different people we've had come on the show who have backgrounds in sports, whether it's playing or coaching or both, um, you know, whatever part of their background it is, uh, how much it is the magic of the locker room and the fact that you're in sports where there's a, um, you know, there's, there's competition, there's a winner and loser, it's clearly defined, and it takes place in a really short period of time, you know, two to three weeks. And then you go to, and we'll just take me, for example, easier for me to talk about me. You know, I go to a radio station, I go to a TV station. They aren't nearly as integrated as a college football locker room is going to be. So is it the fact that it's the sports and you have this goal that's very measurable in the short run that gets people to work together and that's the magic of sports? Or is it just the fact that a college football team by um, uh, is just – for a fact, been more integrated than the places I've worked, and that's been what's important, that you had that interaction. Whereas I'm unlikely to have it well, walking into a, call, into a TV station or a radio station because they're mostly white people. Yeah, I think depending on where you live, it's going to be more integrated, right? In, in Utah, obviously, the, the percentage of African Americans is a little bit lower. There's a high percentage of Polynesian people that are here and it becomes a little bit more integrated, but I think it's a, I I would not trade my experience in the locker room because of that diversity and because of the integration for me, I think it was just so valuable for me to understand and learn that we're all the same. And and, and I don't, I can't, I think the one thing, I think the one lesson that I learned from being a college locker room is that I need to be a little bit less offended because there was lots of guys that made fun of me and there was different things that maybe got under my skin a little bit or whatever else. And to be a little bit less offensive, meaning just not so flippant about my attitudes and about the things that I say. And, and if I can do that now, if I can be a little bit less offended and a little bit less offensive, I think that's a good way to start for me personally. Now, I would encourage everybody else to do that too, but I would never turn in those lessons that I learned in the locker room with a high amount of diversity, figuring out that we all want the same things. We all want to be loved. We all want to have a meaningful life. We all want to have um, good relationships with people. And when, when we figure that out, life becomes a little bit more... I guess illuminated or a little bit more brilliant, at least in my opinion. I mean, I have so many good African-American friends from my experiences playing college football and they taught me a lot and, and I made mistakes and there, there were times where they had to sit me down and say, Hey, you, you can't talk like that. Right. And, and I'm so thankful for the ability or, or for the friends that I had that helped me to grow and progress and to understand better. Because I did, I admittedly I came, I I came from Logan, Utah, till I I lived there till I was fourteen, and then in Salt Lake from the age of fifteen to eighteen, you know, before I went off to college, and it's mostly white people, and so those experiences I wouldn't trade for anything, and I think they're so valuable to the players that are playing at the schools in state, and I think um, I would not want to trade those in, and I think that's why I'm I'm rooting so hard for football to happen this fall. Not just because I love football and I love the experiences that I had, but also because football is a major money maker. And it, and if you have a daughter that you want to run college track, or if you have a son that you want to 
have swim on the next level. You want football to happen. And if you want them to learn some of those experiences that I learned by being in the locker room with a diverse group of people, you need to cheer for football to happen and to happen with people in the stands and for some sort of new normal to happen because that money has a direct impact on these smaller sports. And we're already seeing Division Two and Division Three sports that are dropping off. You want football to happen. And, and, and this isn't just dumb football Jock Riley talking. This is a person who cares about my daughter, who I'd love to have an experience to play on the next level. I don't know if she'll ever be good enough, but I'd love, I'd love the opportunities to still be there. And so that's why I'm, I'm rooting so hard and hoping so hard for some of these things to happen. So a lot of your experiences that shaped you are basically just based on exposure to other people. And once you had that exposure, did you then discover – hey, we're really just the same in terms of we have from different backgrounds, but we all want the same things. Yeah, and I, I, listen, I came from great parents who who, who taught me correctly. I, I, I didn't feel like I had anything that was like a major problem, but just being exposed to people and understanding that just on a, on a higher level is always valuable, right? Isn't that always just a great thing to have? I, I think my parents taught me really, really well, and I'm thankful for that. But there, it's it's kind of like the difference between reading a book and then going out and practicing what the book taught you, right? <laughs> you have to put these things into application for them to be valuable and meaningful. And that's where I think the experience in college was so great, was not not just, hey, you should love everyone, you should judge everyone by the content of their character, you should, you should practice the golden rule, Riley. But then I got real experience out there, and I got, I got the opportunity to work with so many different cultures and so many different people, and it was such a wonderful thing for me. So there's a difference between reading and learning and then application, and I think, I think college sports was a wonderful place for me to apply the things that I'd been taught growing up. I wonder uh, how much an effort has been made in the past and how much an effort do you think will be made going forward? Because uh, one thing we've heard about youth sports and the camps you work with deal with high school, but I think you've told me also junior, you have done some stuff for some junior high, you know, kids who are more in that in the 11, 12, 13 range. Uh, but we've heard how limiting those can be, the socioeconomic factors that end up segregating a lot of those experiences. You know, if you've got to pay you know, 50 or 150 or 250 bucks for whatever camp or day or seven on seven league, whatever it is, a lot of kids get left out of that. And those can make those experiences a lot wider and a lot less integrated. How much has been, how much has been done and how much do you think will be done going forward so that you don't have to be a college age athlete to have the experience you're talking about? Yeah. So one of the things that's been um, interesting and I'll just, I'll just put on my Mountain West Elite hat for right now, right, is Riley Jensen grew up on, on, a, on a father's salary that was a school teacher's salary. I mean, he was the tennis coach for Utah State when I was growing up, uh, when I was younger, and then through my high school days and after that, he was a school teacher. And I, I constantly am reminding the people and my business partners that we can't eliminate the Riley Jensen's of the world <clears throat> who – who grew up on a school teacher salary. Now, 
there were times where I had to go and I had to get the lunch stipends, right? I had to go get the free lunches. We had to sign up. We had to use from time to time when my dad was in between coaching at Utah State and being a school teacher, we had to use the school insurance, right? We had to do some of those things. So I'm familiar with some of those things that happen. So when I'm talking to my coaches, I'm like, we can't eliminate the Riley Jensen's of the world who would have loved to have been at Mountain West Elite. The, scr- the struggle that I have is getting the word out to some of these people who might be in the same position that Riley Jensen was in in high school, who would have loved to have gone to a camp that costs $300 for 10 practices, right? And they just can't afford it, or their parents can't afford it. (laughs) And part of the struggle that I have is letting people know that there is value to this. What can you pay, right? And then I give out between 78 and 100 scholarships every year to Mountain West Elite. And so as a result, you see a camp that's more diverse. You see a camp. But I do feel like there are certain things going on out there. If, if people aren't willing to help, that, that it does kind of divide it and, it. and it becomes difficult. And it's not, it's not just for African-Americans. It's not just for Polynesians. It's for white people, too, that are in you know, different areas that, it, that are more tough. We've all got to do our part. Right? We've all got to look around for these opportunities to help. Um, because we don't want it to be that way. We, that's not what, uh, to me, that's not what America was based on and founded upon, and that's just my opinion. Um, everybody needs to have an opportunity. But I, I do see it, and, I, you know, the sport that I see it in the most right now is baseball. I mean, shoot, my kid is going to play baseball for the first time this year, and I'm, I'm starting out of the class and going, holy crap, you know? Everybody's got to have their own helmet now because of COVID-19. Everybody's got to have their own bat. Everybody's got to buy their own pants. I mean, all this stuff was provided when I was young, right? And 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 who can afford all that stuff, right? I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate right now that I can, but who knows what tomorrow brings, right? And I'm and I'm ho- I'm hopeful that I can help some other people out, and that and that people are willing to help me out if I was struggling. Oh, yeah, you bring up baseball now, and you look at the college rosters, and they're almost exclusively white. And it's a lot of it is right. the financial deal. When I was growing up, I had season tickets to ASU and the, 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 tons of African-Americans. And now you just don't see it anymore because it costs too much, and a lot of folks can't afford it. And I, I mean, I think, that's, I think that sucks. It does. It sucks. It sucks. That, that's not cool at all to me. And, uh... We got to do something, and I, I think the other thing that, that is important, I, and I think there's in, in psychology they call it self one and self two. In in religion they call it the devil and the angel on your shoulder. But the the angel on your shoulder that should be talking to you is, I could do something. What what I some of the things that I'm seeing on TV don't look right. I need to do something, right? And so when, when you feel that, when, when you hear that voice or that, or, or that self-two starts talking to you like you need to do something, don't overwhelm yourself with like you have to do something incredible to start with. Just start small. Start with somebody in your neighborhood. Start with um, speaking up a little bit. Start with just being the person that you were brought up to be instead of thinking like, oh, who are you, Riley, to do anything? Who are you to say anything? Well... Uh, right now, I'm trying to listen a lot, but I certainly can do some small things here and there 
to get going in the right direction. And, you know, the, the old saying is the good Lord can't steer a parked car. If you just park, you're not doing anything. It's hard to it's hard to steer you in the right direction. So I'm trying to do my part. I hope everybody's trying to do their part. We can do better. You can do better. I can do better. And, man, let's just let's try and let's try and get through this and learn as much as we can. At least that's my thought. Riley, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Sorry we didn't get to football, but uh, yeah, we'll have you on again and we'll get to football. These, some some of these things are, are super important to talk about. Thanks, Riles. Thanks, guys. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.